0: Any of you ever go through any kind of change? Transition of some kind or the other? How many of you are in one right now? I mean, something is changing dramatically in your life or maybe just simply another chapter of your life. I've had four funerals over the last two weeks, and a lot of people are waking up over these last few days opening up a new chapter in their life of loneliness, of change, of transition. Others are going through incredible challenges, They're delighted with the changes that God's bringing in their life. They're opening up a new chapter, and they're really excited about the possibilities that go with that. Others are afraid or scared. They're not sure where it's going to go or what it's going to look like when they get there on the other side. They just know no matter what, it's coming. And you're about to go through a change or a challenge or a transition of some kind or the other. A few days from now, I enter another transition in my life. I enter the 60s. Hard to believe, isn't it? All of a sudden, there it goes. A few weeks ago, we went to a wedding, and I love to dance with my wife. Now, I disillusion some of you that we dance. I'm sorry, but I do. We don't do it very often, and I hardly ever get the chance to slow dance with my wife. All these wedding musics are so fast, and like, I'm really going to do the chicken dance. I mean, seriously. So we had the opportunity to do a slow dance, and we do a couple of those, and then they say, okay, we're going do to the, do the anniversary dance. I didn't know for sure what that meant. They said, everybody who's married, get up on the dance floor. And it was filled. I mean, it was filled. And then all of a sudden, they said, now, if you've been married a year or so, sit down. Five years, sit down. Ten years, sit down. Fifteen years, sit down. All of a sudden, this dance floor that was pretty full begins to see people sitting down. Couple after couple after couple after couple. Thirty years, sit down. Thirty-five years, sit down. Forty years. Now, we had just finished 40 years so we could stay standing. 40 years, sit down, all of a sudden I looked up, I was just enjoying the moment with my beautiful wife, and I looked around and I said, honey, there's only three couples on the dance floor, us and those two old people, that means we're one of the old people, I mean, I just couldn't believe that all of a sudden, after all those years that seemed to go by so fast, now here we are at this stage of our lives. Three weeks ago, when I wrote this sermon and put it together in the series that we're about to start, I had no idea that today of all days that my oldest daughter and her son is announcing to their church, probably right now, that they're moving. And that God is taking them to a new chapter and a new challenge in their life. The church will be devastated. And I know because I've done it. And I've been there with other churches who hear that news and don't know how to respond who love the pastor and the change is now taking place and no one knows exactly where it's going to go and they're going to move to another city and another community and my grandsons are going to be further and further away and I want to see them more often and that's changing for us as well. For a lot of you in the room, changes can be exciting. For others, overwhelming. For others, fearful. Some of you in the room aren't changing at all. Life is going on as usual. But it is hard to believe that today is September one. It seems like the year just started and summer just started. We had all those activities and fun things we were going to do. And now here the kids are going back to school and they are starting a new relationship, another challenge, a new class of people that are coming into my, my room or whatever that may be for a lot of people in the room. Here at Community Alliance Church, a lot ramps up at this time of the year. Man, we've had so much activity going on. It's almost worn us out with some exciting things that are taking place all over this campus. You saw this morning is the last day to register your kids for Upstreet and Wambaland, and they're really excited about what's going to take place this fall and some new things and new experiences. Family experience starts next Sunday morning in our theater after the service is over. On the 20th, they're going to have a hayride and a hot dog roast, just some really fun family events that are taking place. Children's ministries, I haven't seen Bill this excited in a long time about what God's going to do in youth ministries. Wednesday night, E56, TNL on Thursday night, SNL on Sunday night. Those guys are juiced up about what God is doing and is really going to do this fall in our youth ministry. Your kids have so many things they can do. They do, and I know that. We know that. There's so many things your kids can do. But if there's something you want them to be, which is godly and growing in Christ. This is a great place for that. We can't compete with all other stuff, and, and you're going to have to decide. If some of those things are more important than godliness or holiness or being involved in church, it's a choice that you're going to have to make. But there are so many options out there. What we want to do is partner with you as you grow your children, develop them in God, and deepen their walk with God. And we're just inviting you to participate with us. We will do a phenomenal job at helping your children and your young people develop in Christ. But you as a parent need to be the one that sets the pace and encourages them and and allows them the opportunity to participate with us. Adult Ministries is about ready to explode. You saw the community women uh, clip this morning. I did that for a couple of reasons because both of them are going through some changes and it fit really well. Community Women, for those of you who have never been involved in it before, starts this week and got an option for morning and evening as well. It's in your bulletin. And ladies to get connected with one another and pray for one another. Some of your kids are going to a brand-new school and a brand-new class, and you're scared to death. And you love to know that another mom's praying with you or for you, and that's a great time to be able to gather together. Next Saturday, the men's ministry, unashamed, kicking off 130 guys are going to be here, and right out of that, our Bible studies, morning and night, whatever fits best for your schedule that uh, you can be a part of to really help us as men take on a responsibility seriously and be the men of God that he designed us to be. Starting Sunday night in a couple of weeks, Ted's going to do on Sunday night and Sunday school uh, a practical six-week series on some incredibly important, critical questions that all of us have And maybe ask that he wants to take you through a real solid theological course to be able to help you answer some of those questions and meet some of those challenges. We're really, honestly, as far as I can communicate to you, unbelievably excited about this time of the year and all the things that God is going to do and the opportunities that you'll have. Starting point. If you're unfamiliar with Scripture, man, it's a great place to get connected and find out from Genesis to Revelation what the Bible's all about, what God is all about what christianity is all about so all of those inserts made to you look like the sunday flyer and if you don't go to target or you don't go to wherever you pitch them all and don't worry about them anymore every single one of those are incredibly important and really have the potential of changing your life if you'll give us the opportunity to do that well speaking of challenges and changes and new territory take your bibles out this morning and turn to joshua chapter one You also have sermon notes in your bulletin. I think they're this color. And you're going to have them every once in a while, every so often, to kind of give you a layout of where we're going. I'm going to share with you a lot of information in 25 or so minutes. But my hope is that you process it well, you take the notes home with you, you're in the Word of God, and you're kind of putting it together so you know how it fits and how it flows. I love this character. You talk about somebody facing new challenges, new opportunities, and significant changes. It's Joshua. One of my favorite Old Testament characters. Not every Old Testament character, and what I love about God, as you'll hear in a few weeks, is that he leaves nothing out. But not all of them finished well or did well in the middle of their journey. This man started well, stayed well, and finished well. And you love examining the life of those kind of characters who really do love God are willing to take on any challenge and begin to explore how that applies to me today. I, I, I got to believe that one of the things you will find out is that the principles we will learn and the things we will see in this series apply to us just as much today as when it was written over six, 4,000 years ago, as when we're living this experience between four and 5,000 years ago. And some of the things we'll share with you today and over these next few weeks will just be like yesterday. So please come expecting not just Old Testament stories or Old Testament principles, but what can I learn from this and what am I going to know now that helps me through the challenges of my own life or the next chapter that's beginning to open up. A few weeks ago, Bob talked about the story of the Israelites. Ted talked to you about being a person who lives up to God's potential. Keith talked to you about letting God build into your life the way he wants to instead of what we want. Joshua fits this criteria in incredible ways. Story of the Israelites' journey into new territory of God's promises, one of the most prominent stories of the Old Testament. They were a very special people to God. They were a promise. A promise that God made to a man named Abraham called a friend of God. If you ever put anything on a tombstone about anyone, that would be a great saying. He was a friend of God. Abraham trusted God. It was credited unto him to, as righteousness. And God made a promise to him, I'm going to bless you. Matter of fact, I'm not only going to bless you, I'm going to bless your children. And your children's children. And generations from now will be blessed because of you, Abraham. Because of your faith. And so God did that. Because of Abraham's faithfulness, God made a promise to him and his descendants. They became known as the Israelites. The Israelites. God not only promised a blessing on them as a people, he also promised them a place, a very special place they could call their own. Unfortunately, through a number of circumstances, the Israelites ended up in Egypt under the rule of a very harsh taskmaster named Pharaoh. He cried out to God for hundreds of years. In the midst of that oppression, To be released from all of that, God heard their cry and sent what you and I know is one of the other famous Old Testament characters, a man by the name of Moses, to lead them out of that difficult environment, ultimately to the promised land. They get near the edge of it, and Moses sends out 12 spies just to kind of check it out. They all go out seeing enormous possibilities as well as incredible problems. They all see the same things. Ten come back saying, well, this is overwhelming. I mean, we see all of that good stuff, but man, they got fortified cities, giant-sized people, overwhelming obstacles. No way we'll be ever able to do this. Two guys, Joshua, one of these, and Caleb, who we'll talk about in eight or ten weeks, said, look, if God promised it, he's going to deliver, so let's go. Unfortunately, the people who, by the way, had been whining and complaining the entire journey... Believe the ten, and because of that disobedience, ends up paying the ultimate price and spent 40 years wandering in the desert. Most theologians say that if you started from where they were in Egypt and got to Israel, the promised land, and did it in a walking journey, even with a lot of people, it would take somewhere between 13 and 14 days. Took them 40 years for one main reason disobedience i have a question for you in your sermon notes or at least a statement like that you want to end up where they ended up I, i want to take a sidebar for a moment and ask you a question any of you here want to mess up your life in any way i want to give you four ways to do that straight out from the story of the israelites number one get discouraged and quit just give up if following christ is too hard and it's difficult, the challenges are overwhelming, and trying to be the person of God that He designed you to be, that He wants you to be, that you know when you see in the Word of God, if it gets too difficult, just quit. Just give up. If things aren't going the way you wanted to, or maybe God didn't come the, through the way you thought, you prayed a few weeks ago, you asked Jesus specifically to do something for you, and He didn't. And now you're mad and you're angry. You can. If you want, quit. You can give in to that anger. You can give in to that frustration. You can give in to that disillusionment with God and give up. It's a choice. Like the Israelites, pay a horrible price. Second way to mess up your life is take the easy way out. Take the easy way out. Give in to your desires and temptations. God's too restrictive. Come on, don't do this, don't do that. Where's the fun in life? You only go around once as it is anyhow. So give in to all your temptations. Give in to all of those challenges. They want you to go here the weekend, that's the weekend. Do this tonight, do this after school, do this afterward. Give in. You can do that. It is easier at times to do that than to stay solid. Let me ask you a question. Is it easier to gain weight or lose it? Which one? (laughs) Is it easier to get into debt or out of it? Is it easier, this is a good one, is it easier to get married or stay married? Which one? Easier to get married, right? Hire me, get a license, have a half-hour ceremony, you're in. Stay married. Incredible challenge. Is it easier to do what you want or obey God every single day of your life? Easier to do what you want. Is it easier to attend church or get involved in church? Easier to attend. Here's a good one. Is it easier to know God or trust God? Is it easier to know God or trust God? Trusting Him is always harder. But if you don't want to do that, don't want to go that way, it's too hard, then you can take the easy way out and give in. Third way to mess up your life is when you think you know better than God. <laughs> now, no one would say that out loud. I know better than you, God. No one would say that out loud, but a lot of times we live that way. That we really do know better than God. When you and God disagree, go with what you think. God came to the Israelites and still us to us today and says, Look, I want you to know I love you like crazy. So I'm going to give you some parameters. I'm going to give you some guidelines. I'm going to do this because I really do love you, and I want to protect you. I want to preserve your life, so I'm going to give you some real, clear guidance. Love me like no other God. Don't bow down before any other God. Don't even form one of any kind. Don't have any other kind of idol, not just simply the ones that you see in statues or stones somewhere, sitting in somebody's yard, but no other form, in no other way, do I want you to bow down to any other God but to me. Please don't misuse my name. If you say you're a follower of Christ and a Christian and you don't live like it, I'd rather you didn't say that you were a follower of Christ. If you're going to take my name, don't misuse it. If you're going to say to the world, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a Christian, then live like one. But if you're not going to live like one, don't just take the name and then misuse it. Remember, six days, labor hard. My dad's sitting here this morning. I didn't know that until I saw him sitting here this morning. But I'm telling you, that man taught us how to work. He taught us what six days was all about, and we worked hard from dawn till dusk. But on the seventh day, outside of doing what we had to do, which was milk the cattle, we rested. We rested. We did exactly what God said. I know how you're wired, God said. You'll work your life to death. It's not worth it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a a, a guidance. I'm going to give you some parameters. I want you to do everything you need to on those six days. But on that seventh day, I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want you to rest. I want you to stop. Slow down. The second thing I want you to do as you're doing that is honor me. Worship me. You'll get so caught up in doing all those other things that you'll forget, so this is what I want you to do. I want you on the set, every seven days of your life, stop, slow down, honor me, worship me. Honor your parents. Respect them. Don't murder. Oh, please, don't commit adultery. You're ruining yourself. You're ruining your reputation. You're ruining your family. You're ruining your children. Don't do that. Not because I'm a killjoy. I know, I know how it's going to affect everybody around you. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't want what doesn't belong to you. Man, it'll eat you up. It'll destroy you. Envy and jealousy. going to kill you. Be satisfied with what you have. Don't always be looking around at what you don't. And don't want what's theirs. I saw a billboard in Pittsburgh years ago that just simply said this, what part of thou shalt not don't you understand? <laughs> I thought, that really it? That's pretty cool, guys. And that really is a simple, what part of that doesn't make sense? Now, you want to mess up your life? Blow God off. Do your own thing. I don't like those rules. I don't like those restrictions. Man, I want to live my life on my own. <laughs> it's certainly a choice. But God's not doing it because he's a killjoy and doesn't like us. He loves us. And he said, I know what's best for you. If you think you know what's best for you, do your own thing. And number four way to mess up your life, give in to doubt, grumbling, and disobedience. The Israelites did. They turned a 14-day journey into a 40-year death march. Now in the middle of all of that comes Joshua people of Israel who for 40 years have been complaining wanting wanting another leader almost every other turn they're right on the edge of the promised land everything around them has changed dramatically they've already heard the report of what it's going to be like on the other side they see the Red Sea they see Jericho they see all that stuff and then oh by the way Moses went up somewhere with God never came back Joshua you're in charge now there is a challenge (laughs) there's a new chapter in your life Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 you there? Joshua 1, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, judge. The Old Testament, number 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, my servant, after the death of Moses, the servant of God, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses is gone. My servant is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River and the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. At that moment, in between those verses, However the time frame it was from when Moses went off the scene till God comes to Joshua, everything in his life changed. His relationship changed. Moses, his mentor, had just died. The guy who had invested so much into his life, can't wait to get to that sermon in a couple of weeks, who's invested so much into his life is gone. His role has changed. Now he's not just simply the son of none, one of the aides. He's the leader of the children of Israel, for heaven's sakes. His responsibility has changed dramatically. All of those for Joshua are good things. He may have not seen it at the moment, and you may not see yours at the moment, but all of those changes in Joshua's life in this amazing journey with God are going to take him to an unbelievably new place, and he has to decide if he trusts God to take him there or not. Some of you are at those places in your life where God is calling you into some things or to do some things or some new challenges or changes in your life, that you need to make some decisions about. For some of you in this room, to be able to be where God wants you to be and to be the kind of individual that he has for you, you may need to change some relationships. Just between me and you, and you know better than I, there may be somebody in the room whose relationships are holding them back and eventually going to destroy them. And some of you in the room maybe need to change some relationships to go where God wants you to go. Others of you in the room maybe need to change some behaviors. Your attitude, your outlook on life is holding you back. And maybe you just need to change some behaviors. Some in the room need to change some activities, some places you go, the things you watch. There just may be a uh, few of you in the room. But to be where God wants you to be or to go where God wants you to do maybe needs to change some activities, maybe change some places you've been going, maybe some things you're watching, reading, whatever that may be, but there may be some things in your life that are really holding you back, and you need to make some pretty radical changes. If I see one more My, Miley Cyrus photo, I'm going to throw up. But a friend of mine, I don't even go there with the Lady gag person, but A friend of mine who is in ministry wrote a fascinating article and said basically the same thing. If I see one more picture, I'm going to throw up. But he said, if you think about it for a moment, we even those who sit in church, and I'm sure one of those at times, have let some real garbage into our homes and then wonder why we're going the way we are. We've gone to places we shouldn't have gone, done things and watched things that we wouldn't have watched 20 years ago. Sending our kids off to movies that are straight from the pit of hell, you don't have to wonder whether it comes from Hollywood, it comes from hell. You can tell the difference. Good night, I can watch the trailer and tell the difference. And we want our kids to be exposed, or they, want to, they just want to go. We don't want to face the challenges and the struggles of encouraging them not to. But I'm telling you, we're paying the price of tolerating some things that we really shouldn't be tolerating. For some of us in the room, we need to take advantage of some new responsibilities. Relationships are fine, my behavior's okay, my activities are going in the right direction, but maybe there's some new challenges and new responsibilities that God's calling it to, and you need to get out of your seat and get involved. Exactly what Ted said a few weeks ago, we need to do that. A lot of you stood here on a Sunday morning at some point or the other in the last 18 years, and you sat in membership class, and then you stood up here, and you agreed to a statement that said, I'm going to use my gifts for the glory of God, and you haven't used them yet. You made a commitment. You said you would. So I'm saying to you, maybe some of you in the room need to say, you know what, now's the time. Now, it doesn't have to be here. You could serve God in a hundred different places. But if you're not doing it anywhere and you committed to it, you may need to take that next step. Everything for Joshua is changing, and all of them for the better. And in many cases, and all of those things that I mentioned a moment ago about relationships and behavior and attitudes and things that we do, I believe that if you're willing to make the, things that, the steps that we know God's asking us to, not because I'm telling you to, but because God's asking you to, I guarantee you they will be for the better. Look at verse 3. I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I have a blank in there for you to fill in. Place your foot in furs what? I mean, to answer, it seems simple, but place your foot in furs what? He, he's got to do something. He's got to walk. He's got to take a step. Place your foot in furs that he's going to do something. Some things in life have to change, and sometimes God's going to ask us to move out into the realm of the unknown, and we may not know what it's going to look like. We may not know where it's going to lead us. We may not know what that next step's going to hold, but sometimes God will not move or do what we want him to do or what we're hoping he'll do on this side until we take that step of faith. Next Sunday morning's message entirely on that subject. What does faith look like? Verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says in 1 John, greater is he who is in you than he's in the world. Ephesians chapter 6, the verses that I had there for you in your sermon notes, God said, look, you're in for enormous challenges. You're not only facing the world and all that goes with that, you're face, facing a powerful adversary. But I tell you what, I'll give you everything you need. I'll give you the armor of God that will allow you to be able to stand firm. And three times he says, stand firm and not get pushed around. All the resources are available to you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be right by your side. I'll give you everything you need to face those challenges. Verses 6 to 9, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, be strong and courageous. Be very careful to obey everything I've said to you. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep that law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. You'll be prosperous because of that and successful. I've commanded you. In case you didn't get it, he says uh, three times, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord is God is with you every time, everywhere you go. When I was a kid growing up reading the Bible, all these characters seemed larger than life. I don't know if it was like that for you, but I read stories about Moses and David and Joshua, and I thought, man, it must have been cool to be them i has been awesome to be one of those guys. I mean, who am I? I'm not Moses. I'm not David. I'm not Joshua. Why in the world would God use me? You want to know who you are? You and I are sons and daughters of the living God. Don't ever forget that. Every time you wonder, who am I? I'm not Moses, I'm not David, I'm not Samson, I'm not Solomon. Every time you wonder that, why does God do that? Why doesn't he do it for me? Or who am I that God would ever do anything like that for? I want to tell you right now, and I want you to write it down somewhere. You and I are sons and daughters of the living God. Don't ever sell yourself short because you're not Joshua or Moses or David or one of these guys in the Old and New Testament. You and I are sons and daughters of the living God. And what he did for them and through them, he'll do for you and I. Four principles in your sermon notes this morning that stand the test of time. That are not only for the Joshua's and the Moses and the David's of life, they're for you and me, the John's and the Mary's and the Sue's and, and, and whoever in this room this morning that stand the test of time. Number one, the power of God is available to all of us. It can never be doubted, available to everyone. And I mean everyone. Knowing that, and more importantly, believing that, will give you an enormous amount of courage. Face the obstacles of life. So often we want God to move first. We want Him to act first, and then we'll move. And many times that happens. But so often, it's as we move out in obedience that God is there. So I want you to know, whether you've seen Him work or not, the power of God is available to them and to every single one of us in the room. Second thing is the Word of God. The Word of God. you realize how privileged you and I are? I mean, what do you think Joshua is carrying around with him? Two big stone tablets? Every once in a while in church, get them out so that I can know what they say. You and I have the Word of God in a hundred different versions or a dozen different versions in a hundred different ways. You've got it on your iPhone, your iPad, your wherever it is. I, I carry it with me everywhere I go. We have it all. Joshua has such a little bit, but God said, I want you to know, you hold on to that with every fiber of your being and don't let it go out of your mind or out of your lips. And he has such a little bit. You and I have this incredible privilege of having the entire Word of God. As long as I'm called senior pastor at Community Alliance Church, we will be in the Word of God. Old Testament and New Testament, the Word of God is available to all. Number three is the person of God. The person of God, he's available to all of us. So talk to him. Talk to him. I'm in settings at times when, when we're asking a number of people to pray and then a member of the pastoral staff will pray and no one else feels like, oh, I can't pray like you. Can you talk? Can you talk? Anybody in your room can't, then I understand that. But if you can talk, you can pray. Again, have conversation with God. The person of God is available to all of us. And finally, the promises of God. When God said to Joshua, look, I'll be with you everywhere you go. It's the same God who says to you and I, I'll be with you everywhere you go. I promise you, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Matter of fact, I'll walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death. 365, 66, some say, promises of God, even one for the leap year, but promises of God all over Scripture, just as available for us as for them. So, here this morning, facing a new challenge. Anybody? A new chapter, a new change. A pretty significant change. Same God, person of God, the presence of God, the Word of God, the power of God just as available to every single one of us in this room as it was to them so walk in faith believing that his god is your god and my god and he's going to lead us in amazing ways want to end today singing how we began forever father we thank you for your glory and grace the opportunity to be a part of the family of god thank you for the privileges of being a part of this great CAC family here. And as we continue our journey together, exploring the amazing things in the Word of God, may you teach us and walk with us and reveal to us the things you want us to learn. The great history lessons, incredible stories. But Father, we we know they're more than that. More than history and more than great stories. These are available to every single one of us in this room to face every challenge we face. So whatever happens in the lives of our people here, in challenges, changes, and all that goes with that, new chapters of their life, may this morning's message resonate in their minds until we see you face to face. We are so grateful that forever you are.